When I talk to young ladies in particular, they want to say, well, he loves me. That's why he is so jealous. That's why he doesn't want me to go out with my girlfriends. That's why um, he's always asking me to call in and, and give him my whereabouts. Well, First John says that you know there is no fear in love. And, and if you are afraid to go outside of your home, if you're afraid to even make phone calls to those friends that you used to hang out with, that's fear. And that's not love. That's and, and jealousy, that's not love. Anything that, any time that he's accusing you, you must be seeing someone, so that's why uh, I'm doing this to you, and you must you know, be cheating on me, and all, all of that is contrary to a truly holy relationship. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm so honored to be joined by Minister Carolyn Thompson. Carolyn, are you there? I am here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for asking. Carolyn is a minister and a district court judge, and she wrote the new book, Abigail's Veil, a domestic violence handbook for clergy and church leaders. So I got to say, I'm curious, what inspired you to write about this topic? Prior to my role as a judge, I was a district attorney, and I had a lot of clients coming in from the church. I was also a minister at the time of being an attorney, and a lot of clients would come in asking questions about, should I stay? Should I leave? My pastor's saying this. Should I follow um, the concept that it's my fault? Maybe I can do something better, or maybe it's my fault as a wife that I'm not adhering to the Word of God, and it became apparent to me that I needed to also educate the, the pulpit, um, the messages coming from church leadership, that it's not just about pray and stay, but safety first has to be the message. Um, and a lot of victims coming into my office looking for representation, I would have to minister to them and also provide legal counsel about their rights and remedies as a domestic violence victim. So what do you find most often that believers need to know about domestic violence? The most important thing to understand from a pastoral counseling physician is the veil is real. A lot of us come into church on Sunday mornings and we're hurting underneath the veil without a place to ask the questions, what should I do? What does God require of me? feeling as though we need to put on, we need to put on a, um, a covering, some type of mask, when really we need help. Abigail is based on 1 Samuel 25th chapter, the relationship between Abigail and her husband, Nabal, where there's a financial abuse. There's um, a controlling atmosphere, and that's what domestic violence is all about, the power and control. It's not about anger. It's not about having addictions and so forth, those are things that simply aggravate the circumstances of violence. And it's important for us to understand as ministers, pastors, church leaders, the veil that a lot of people wear has to be penetrated with education, knowing what domestic violence looks like, what does the law require of us as pastoral care leaders. What does the law require when the person comes to church with a domestic violence restraining order, for example? Are we required to adhere to that or allow the abuser to continue to attend our services along with the victim in 
um, the church confines. So it's it's about educating the faith-based community. That's great. And especially when it comes to education, I think even a show like this can be a good platform for education. So for any listeners who may not be educated on the topic, what are some signs that they could look for to try and spot domestic abuse victims? The one um, key that stands out, there's a sudden change in appearance. There's um, a timid um, person that used to be outgoing. Um, There's an effort to hide scars with makeup or an absence from attending services that normally the person would just be on fire. She's there all the time. Um, When you're trying to talk to them as a couple, she's silent. She doesn't speak. He does all the talking. Um, You're not allowed to come to the house um, to minister or to counsel. She will never answer the front door. He's always guiding Um, her coming and going. Um, One of the things that I remember clearly from one of my clients, she was a pretty nice-sized lady, and then all of a sudden she became almost emaciated-looking. I mean, it it was as if she lost half of her existence. And um, after representing her through the legal process as her attorney, she shared with me how the pastor knew that she was in an abusive relationship, but because he was a deacon in the church, she still came every Sunday and sat on the third row in her position um, as deaconess and watched her almost deteriorate because she stopped eating. She was depressed. She was sad. Um, She began to um, miss choir rehearsal. Those are some of the signs and symptoms that, hey, you may need to ask the question, is everything okay? Do you need help? Are you safe now? What can we do as a church to help you? Wow, yeah, that, that's a really moving story. And I think, like you said, we have to start asking questions and we have to notice those things. So if you begin mm-hmm. to notice those signs, what are some practical steps that you can take uh, as a church or as individual believers to help end domestic violence? When I go around to different churches to provide workshops on the issue of domestic violence, I, I really stress the need to have... Um, something in place, if it's disclosed, I'm being abused, I'm hurting, I I need a way out. Um, Be proactive instead of reactive. Um, At my church, we have um, an organization already in place, so if you anonymously leave your name at the front desk that you're hurting and you need assistance, there's someone that will make an anonymous call or make an effort to talk with you confidentially that you're not feeling like, well, what I say in church is now going to get back to my abuser and it's going to make things harder for me at home. But being proactive has to be a stance for the church body. Having um, an open dialogue and an open understanding from the pulpit to the back door where the ushers stand that we have a zero tolerance policy here. You cannot serve in positions of leadership in any form or capacity if you are abusing your home. And that, that the concept that it's a king's castle and it's a private issue has to be known as a myth and a tradition that we just completely do away with so that people feel comfortable disclosing, I need help, I'm being hurt, my children are being harmed, can you provide shelter for me, an emergency fund, um, is that available here at the church so I can get away to safety? And you've said that many women... Often, like you said, it's a scary experience of going forward and saying that they need help. 
Do you have a word of encouragement or any any hope that you can give women who may be in those situations who are listening to this show? God does not intend for us to live in abusive homes. Holy matrimony is just that. It's holy. And a lot of times when we're preaching, we want to preach from the top part of the Scripture that says that we're to submit. But He is also required to submit as unto God. And there's nothing holy about beating. There's nothing holy about making you fearful of the next day or the next hit. There's nothing holy about calling you out of your name and making you feel less than. He hates divorce, but he also hates when his the garment, that marriage, that woman that you are, you are um, calling your wife is being hurt by you. He, he requires us to honor his word, not to use it as um, a way of a weapon to keep you in bondage. So if you're listening today, know that he does not intend for you to be anybody's doormat, anybody's punching bag, and that it is not his will that you stay in an abusive relationship. Amen. So I think there's something that's inherently powerful about declaring Scripture over these situations uh, when we as humans sometimes feel powerless to stop these problems. I love that you brought up the example of Abigail and Nabal and also the verse you were just referring to there. Are there any other points in Scripture that we can point to that really address this problem? When I talk to young ladies in particular, they want to say, well, he loves me. That's why he is so jealous. That's why he doesn't want me to go out with my girlfriends. That's why um, he's always asking me to call in and, and give him my whereabouts. Well, First John says that you know there is no fear in love. And, and if you are afraid to go outside of your home, if you're afraid to even make phone calls to those friends that you used to hang out with, that's fear, and that's not love. That's And, and jealousy, that's not love. Anything that Anytime that he's accusing you, you must be seeing someone, so that's why uh, I'm doing this to you, and you must you know, be cheating on me, and all, all of that is contrary to a truly holy relationship. Paul's instructions on the 1 Corinthians 2nd and 10 starts with a disclaimer that it's, it is not his charge, but the Lord's to instruct married people to stay. And, and, and when we're instructing married people, we, we tend to back off and say, well, you know, that's that's God's territory to deal with their marriage, but He does not intend for us to stay in relationships that are contrary to what His His whole message was, which is love. And there's nothing loving about pushing and shoving and calling a person um, something less than what God calls, which is a child of God. Now, obviously... We can't give specific names or examples, but do you have any success stories that you could relate of where you have been able to counsel people out of these bad situations? Absolutely. And and let me start from the youngest, because we have to be mindful that young people today, they have it really bad because of social media. They have it really bad because of cell phones and text messaging. And uh, I can't tell you how many cases I hear as a judge where Facebook has become a tool, a weapon of cyberbullying and threats of harm um, to young people. And I went to a high school and we had this talk about unhealthy relationships. Are you in an unhealthy relationship if the following? And if you could raise your hand and say, yeah, you know, my boyfriend's doing that to me, um, then you, you may want to check um, your daughter's cell phone. You may want to check um, the emails. You may want to check what's happening on Facebook. And at the end of that workshop with the young people on a high school level, 
this this boy walked up and said, I just lost my girlfriend because of you. Thanks a lot. And so I said, well, to God be the glory. Some, somebody's daughter just got delivered yeah. from an unhealthy relationship um, because she heard the call that, listen, if he's controlling with text messaging and you have to constantly check in, you have to constantly let him know where you are. And that's the thing about power and control. And that's that's not of God. And then on, on an adult level, I've had many women to come back and say, um, thank you for the plan of preparation. Because a lot of women, they don't want their marriages to end. They simply want the abuse to stop. And if they're not ready to leave, because it takes eight to 10 times before a person says enough is enough. And in that moment of leaving, that's the most dangerous time for a victim deciding to leave. So there has to be a plan in place. And I will give them a prep plan. You know, know where you can find the finances. Know your children's Social Security number. Know his Social Security number. Begin to prepare by um, placing things outside of the home in a safe zone. So if you need to run in a moment's notice, you'll have a, a, a bag ready to go. And um, women who come back and say, you know, because I was prepared, I didn't have to stay in a shelter or I didn't have to sleep in the car or because I had a plan in place with my church and my, my pastor, um, they, they knew I needed protection walking back and forth to the parking lot after service and they knew to watch for him at the door so I could worship in peace and not worry about him then or uh, women who are able to return to their state, because a lot of them have been relocated um, because of the abusive relationship, isolation, moving them away from their family, friends. So the more we can get the word out, safety first, the more women will come out and say, because I was informed um, according to the word of God, I knew what my legal remedies were also. I'm now in a safe place. It's just like you were saying before, education can be one of the most important resources for someone. Now, I know that a lot of times, maybe even not a lot of times, but some people will try and argue in those situations that's like, well, doesn't God intend for couples to be reconciled? Doesn't God intend that all of these things should be worked out, that you can just counsel your way through it? And I was wondering what your response to that is. Well, first is there's no such thing as marital counseling when it comes to domestic violence. There are two separate entities. Quite frankly, I always um, give the scenario in the workshop. If you're counseling um, a woman and a man about their marriage and she's the abused, what do you really expect her to say in that setting? You're, she's sitting on your other side of your pastoral desk with the abuser. Do you really expect her to say, he's hitting me? No, because she has to return home, and anything she says in that room will be used against her later on when she gets home. So there's no such thing as marital counseling. There has to be pastoral counseling for the abuser and pastoral counseling for the abused. And there are resources in the community they can use if you don't feel equipped to do that in that setting, but certainly don't put the victim in the room in a closed setting trying to do marital counseling. And then I also advise, look, if you have to get her to a place that she can forgive, because without forgiveness, and she's stuck. She can't um, deal with the memory of being called out of her name, the memory of the last bashing. So when she's ready, you can then begin to talk about, we have to forgive the abuser because otherwise he still has power and he needs prayer too. That's so, a we, so we have to be mindful of those. That's a great point. So if people want to learn more about this topic, where can they get your book? 
It's available on Amazon.com. It's available on my website, Abigailsville.com. It's available also on BarnesandNoble.com. Excellent. And would you mind praying us out today? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to touch and agree that safety is first and that you did not intend for us to live in hurt, harm, and danger. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to deliver on today those who are in bondage because of domestic violence. We even pray for the children, Lord God, that the things that they've heard, things that they've seen, we cancel the devil's assignment, Lord God, that this would even be a generational curse. We speak right now to the to the abuser. Change his heart, Lord God, as only you can. Speak to that spirit of violence, Lord God, and plead the blood of Jesus against it right now. Loose right now, Lord God, peace in the homes, peace in the children's minds, peace, Lord God, all over, because we need evermore today your way, your will, your mercies, new grace, and anointing from on high. And we call it done right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate hearing from you. Thank you for having me. Look forward to working with you further. Absolutely. Carolyn's book is Abigail's Veil, a domestic violence handbook for clergy and church leaders. You've been listening to Carolyn Thompson on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. As part of the release for his newest book entitled God is Good, Pastor Bill Johnson is thrilled to offer you a free gift, a special message about how a deep understanding of God's goodness can transform your entire life and bring heaven to earth. What you believe about God's nature defines your reality and determines your destiny. To claim this life-changing free download, simply visit www.godisgoodbook.com and click Get the Free Message. Just visit www.godisgoodbook.com and click Get the Free Message to get your free gift from Bill Johnson. This is a limited-time offer, so get yours today. Go to godisgoodbook.com, click Get the Free Message, and enjoy this free download from Pastor Bill Johnson. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.